Welcome to the MedEvidence Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Corrin and Michelle McCormick. MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the real truth behind medical research with both a clinical and research perspective. In this podcast, we'll have discussions with physicians that have extensive experience in patient care and research. How do you know that something works? In medicine, we conduct clinical trials to see if things work. Now, let's get the truth behind the data. Welcome to MedEvidence, powered by Encore Research Group. Go to EncoreDocs.com. You're listening to MedEvidence, Truth Behind the Data, four-part series on longevity. Can medical research help us live longer? Such a great question. Dr. Michael Corrin, founder and CEO of Encore Research Group and a practicing cardiologist joining us today. He has been principal investigator of over 2,500 clinical trials and published extensively in the most prestigious journals in the world. Our guest today also joining us, Dr. Victoria Hilo, a well-respected pediatrician, also clinical research investigator who also practices in the emergency room. So, uh, Thank you both. We left part two talking about longevity and we're really talking about the maximize healthy lifestyle, which is number two of a of a three part simple solution. Right, right? right. Yeah. And if you just want to go back over those top three, then we'll jump back into let's do some fishing. Yeah. What, what's that expression? Speaking of fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I'm a big fish guy and not a big fisherman, just a big fish guy. And the fish actually applies to all the three secrets. So avoiding hazardous things, just remind everybody. Fishing. Uh, you know, fishing is <laughs> a lot less hazardous than skydiving. Right. So that's, although even in fishing, um, if you take a boat out 50 miles and um, the Coast Guard's not aware of it and, and you don't have the proper safety equipment, mm-hmm. et cetera, that would be considered a hazardous thing. Absolutely. So, and it's uh, lots of sun exposure, you know. There we go. Very, and, very and we'll true. talk more about that. So, uh, but in general, fishing is, is a healthy thing and, it, and you're avoiding hazardous things. Um, maximizing healthy lifestyles, getting up, getting about, or on a boat those are all really good things that help us keep fit and, and part of a good healthy lifestyle and and we'll talk a lot more about is discovering relevant medical evidence evidence and applying its wisdom and I think I left the last segment talking about the DART study, which was this great study out of the UK, showing that just the advice of eating fish after a heart attack resulted in improved survival. And uh, Vicky might want to jump in a little bit in terms of some of the other dietary elements of these studies that have been proven to actually help people live longer. Well, the fish, as you said, um, and the oils that are associated with that and um, the, the benefits of eating vegetables along with that, extra virgin olive oil, and then things like nuts, of course, healthy nuts, um, such as walnuts and pecans and almonds, um, even cashews, um, but avoiding things like maybe not necessarily avoiding, but limiting things like peanuts, because in actuality, peanuts are not a nut. They are a legume. They're related to peas more than they're, than they're related to nuts, and the oils in those are not um, healthy. And, that, and that's important for, for the audience to know, is that there's actually been quite a bit of nutritional research, and the group of people who live the longest are pesco-vegetarians. Mm. So there's, there's no benefit to veganism from a data standpoint compared to pesco-vegetarianism. And if you look at cultures where they live the longest, like Japan or the southern, uh, Med- uh, southern Europe, the Mediterranean basin, they eat a lot of fish. Mm-hmm. They don't fry it. They right. don't put bacon on it. They, they don't 
cream it up. Cream it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it the omega three? I mean, what what is the omega three that you read about in in eating a lot of salmon, for example? Well, the omega three is a is a fat that's especially um, healthy for the brain and for all of our cells. All of our cells have fats in them, so you do need to take in the fats that your um, body can use. But actually. Um, taking those as supplements is a great way to go as well as then eating them in the form of um, the fishes the fish types that we eat but it's also just a combination of the taking in some animal proteins along with those vegetables and um, that is making that diet particularly healthful versus just a straight vegetarian diet yeah I would just add that we can do a whole podcast an hour podcast on on omega-3 fatty acids and the different research and we've been involved in studies that have looked at different types of omega-3 fatty acids to determine whether or not they reduce heart attack or stroke after uh, if you're at high risk yeah and and the bottom line is that they seem to have some benefit but a lot of the details are still vigorously debated amongst cardiologists and other physicians so if people are interested they can come in we can talk to them about some of the lipid work that we're doing including work on triglycerides and uh, the issues about omega-3 fatty acids but probably the most general thing to say at this level mm-hmm. is that omega-3 fatty acids are a form of monounsaturated fats and monounsaturated fats are generally Uh, anti-inflammatory, which is very, very important in terms of living longer. So we like to bring in foods that reduce the amount of inflammation in our bodies, whereas saturated fats like you get in animals Mm -hmm. is is pro-inflammatory. So this concept of certain foods being anti-inflammatory versus pro-inflammatory is very, very important. And omega-3s tend to be anti-inflammatory. Uh, olive oil and fish oil are probably the two best. Okay. Simple advice. Yeah. Uh, make your fish, put put some olive oil on it, and, you, and you'll live forever. Yeah. Over a salad. <laughs> Over a With salad. Over a salad. <laughs> right. And walnuts and, and, are and a, good, a good yes. chunk, and crunching a, part for your and, salad. And you can add a little ginger dressing on it, and go. that's still good. And, and put you know, sprinkle it with some nuts. It sounds great. Let's go to Not lunch. peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> and some lemon for the vitamin C, which is also crucial. There you go. Right. And, so you hit all the, all the healthy foods in one... Uh, in one meal. Yeah, and, it, and it's and darn it good. Five times a day, and you're set. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. So, what else about um, the living the healthy lifestyle? Um, and and with, we talked a lot about exercise and and the need to do that, but we kind of touched a little bit on the sunscreen and and the sun. We we live in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are fortunate to have the sun all the time, except on some few ugly days but what about you know keeping that as part of our life and longevity that is part of avoiding the hazardous things is to avoid the sun but we do need sun we need sun to be able to adequately use vitamin d and calcium so we do need to get out in the sun but we need to do it wisely and um, doing that wisely does include using some sunscreen minimizing the amount of time you're out there talking about inflammation and destruction when you get a sunburn you're causing inflammation and destruction in the skin which sets you up for further problems Um, but some of the things also to keep in to account is not just going out on that boat and using the sunscreen but our everyday life sitting in the car driving in the left side getting all of that sun coming in on us and that can be detrimental and then we need to look back at these risk factors as well as um, risk markers and we all we have different risk markers even for um, the sun just as he was talking about risk markers you can be 
physiologically addicted and have a marker for nicotine that you're addicted to that um, and then your behaviors are the risk factors of taking in um, these toxins associated with that well some of our risk markers are fair people with you know red hair green eyes is going to subject you to a greater risk of damage due to the sun and so you have to really minimize that risk factor of the sun exposure mm. right so um skin tone would be a risk marker they're they're more people that have light skin tones are more likely to get melanoma but the risk factor is actually the sun and it's a preventable or modifiable risk factor because you can use sunscreen, which has been proven by medical evidence. And the, the stronger the sunscreen, the more likely it is that you'll avoid the damaging UV radiation that causes melanoma and other and skin cancers. So all, the, all that's been proven. And then, of course, um, if you're you know, somebody who's a bit vain, we all are, uh, sun also is responsible for wrinkles. <laughs> and so longevity uh, is certainly part of it and avoiding hazardous things like the sun is part of it. But we also want to live healthier, happy, happier and prettier lifestyles. <laughs> and and uh, that's another reason to avoid the sun. And then you get back into medical evidence, which is that there are certain things that have been shown to help wrinkles and to help the skin. For example, Retin-A is, is mm -hmm. one that has been proven critically in clinical trials and there's a lot of stuff that gets hawked out there that's never been proven right right i was going to say anti-aging creams you know can we turn back the clock on our faces and our wrinkles is that is there evidence behind that there is evidence behind that like you said retin-a yeah. is one of the ones that has been proven to um turn back that and not just make it um look better but makes it healthier overall and so it you know lasts longer and you do stay prettier longer but there's also some anti-inflammatory effects of that and protective against things like cancer mm -hmm. and, and that's a good segue into one of the very very interesting concepts epidemiologically which is why women live longer than men so we, we can talk a little yeah. bit about that. But that wasn't always the case. You know, 150 years ago, women didn't live longer than men. But because of advances in medical science, that has changed. Vicky probably could jump in a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, again, we determine medical uh, how long somebody lives by taking the average of all of the people. And uh, women in the past would die during childbirth or shortly thereafter. And with medical advances, we've taken care of that. And so that factor has gone away, similar to younger people not avoiding accidents and dying can sometimes make the longevity look a little bit um, lower. But um, women live longer on the other end of it because they tend to have more active lifestyles than men do just in their daily everyday activities and they tend to eat better uh, than men do and um, I think men don't maybe even worry about their weight as much and um, mm -hmm. that women do so there's multiple factors contributing to that but overall they do eat better that's scientifically been um, validated yeah. validated and the data is out there that they eat healthier um, not necessarily all the motivations behind that fact but it is associated with greater longevity yeah they're less likely to climb ladders yes <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like dr Hilo likes to get up on the roof and I'm clean the gutters we, we, have, we, have, we have to work on that profession <laughs> that i will not do that anymore but that, that's also interesting you know I'm a, I'm a little bit of a data nerd and i like to look at no you not know, you uh, not 2500 clinical tra trials i mean come on yes yeah, so I, I for fun on the weekends i look at longevity tables i, I admit to that i'm sorry <laughs> but is that, if, is that what I have printed here these, these tables yeah, exactly. of longevity. Yeah. I can't read them. We've got to look at that medical evidence and then apply its wisdom. So if we're if we're just going to take something from Facebook and not really take the medical evidence, then are we really applying true wisdom and and 
making yeah, that. It's kind of sad. Course. You know, when I go to the bar on the weekend, uh, the bartender asks me what, what I'd like to have. And I say, do you have any PowerPoint slides? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> so it's really almost that dirty, folks. <laughs> well, um, I find it. Very interesting um, about the women living longer. Uh, you know, my, my grandmother has definitely outlived my grandfather and they were both very healthy. But w- what about our relationships? You know, the women's relationship at, with our children and, and with our parents and maybe being a caregiver, you know, is that affecting longevity? And, and that can even go back to, to it, my notes say sex and relationships. No doubt. Yeah. 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 There's no doubt that um, relationships have a huge impact on longevity. Uh, Married people tend to live longer than unmarried people. And sex is a, uh, I'm not sure if it's a marker or a risk factor, but it's certainly a marker for longevity. So people that tend to have sex more tend to live longer. And um, it would be hard to do studies on that, but you know, right. I'm, I'm sure we get a lot of volunteers for it. <laughs> <laughs> they did them. They started them way back. There was that show. Yeah, Masters and Johnson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's actually a shame. Uh, Masters and Johnson did some really, really interesting research, and they actually did research that involved observing people had sex, having sex, and that you know started in the 1950s. Right. And for whatever reason, by the 1970s, it became considered out of favor. But it, it's actually you know, an important physiological act, and, and there's a lot that can be learned. And I, I think we've actually lost something because we don't do research observing people having sex. Well, I, I think that goes back to what you were saying about intimacy. I mean, people crave touch and, and conversation, and maybe with the pandemic, we lost some of that, uh, and hopefully that will start to come back. You know, what can you say about that? Because it kind of hit that in the max in the maximize healthy lifestyle too Mm. but there's a lot of wisdom behind it as well yeah it's it's actually particularly important in men by the way um the data seem to show that uh unmarried men versus married men have a much bigger difference than married women versus unmarried women but you having regular intimacy touch etc is probably important and again we know that just touch and sex stimulates all these very positive hormones and dopamine and and other things that help us feel better live longer probably reduce inflammation and lead to longer lives Mm -hmm. exactly which variable is at work is not what's clear and we would love to have more research on that as um, because again are those women that are single living longer because like you said they have closer relationships with their children they have closer relationships with their girlfriends who they'll be intimate with in to a certain extent telling secrets or di- really getting off their chest what might be bothering them whereas men don't tend to do that and all of those probably weigh in exactly how much we don't have the research to and, delineate and, and those are difficult things to research we'll, we'll keep on trying but um, in our next segment I guess we'll talk very specifically about some of the really exciting research findings in in recent years. I'm your host, Michelle McCormick, and we want to thank Dr. Michael Corrin for his clinical and research perspective behind the science in this episode of MedEvidence, the truth behind the data. 